the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's here that the gospel is wrapped up in one simple but profound statement. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Let's look at that together. It's the heart of the gospel, is it not? To be crucified with Christ, that Christ would live in us, that we no longer live, but he lives in us. This is what Paul is telling us here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. We'll also spend some time in Romans 6, verses 1 through 13. Join us as we seek to understand this grand statement of the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The Bible says that before we were converted, we refused to subject ourselves to God's law. We weren't even able to do so. Because those who are in the flesh cannot do anything to please God. So we were in a terrible condition with reference to the law of God. It was, of course, condemning us. Now, what was the relationship of the Christian to the law of God at the moment of his conversion or shortly before? Well, first of all, the reason you received Christ is because the Holy Spirit used the law like a sword and drove it right into your conscience and exposed the sin in your life and convicted you of it and showed you your wickedness and the heinousness and the danger of your position before a living God. The Puritans would say, That the law of God is like a sharp needle that rips and tears through the cloth, pulling the scarlet thread of the gospel. Have you ever been ripped and torn by the needle of God's law? Well, that's why you became a Christian. It is because God's law exposed your sin to you. It ripped it open. It convicted you. It broke you. It condemned you. You recognized that you stood condemned by it because you fell short of the glory of God as you compared yourself to his holy standard. And if you were converted later in life, it made you feel hopeless. It gave you a sense of absolute hopelessness because you realized now how stern the law is, how perfect its demands are. And there was a time when you realize you couldn't obey it in your own strength. I cannot earn God's favor. All of my righteousness is as filthy rags. So the law of God drove you to Jesus Christ. It exposed your sin. It convicted you. It pointed out your condemnation, your helplessness before him. And you fell at Jesus' feet. And you cried out for mercy because you believed that the penalties your sins deserve for breaking God's law, the Lord Jesus Christ endured in your place. Now, what about the place of God's law after conversion? What is our relationship to it now? Well, notice in Galatians 2.19, there is a sense in which we died to it. 
we don't have the same relationship to it any longer because we are no longer slaves to it. Paul pictures it accurately as a marriage. Here you have a man and a woman who are married, and the guy dies. Therefore, the woman is no longer accountable to that man. And Paul says that is the way it is with the law of God, that a person before he is converted is held captive to the law of God and is, con- and is cursed by the law of God. But it is not the law that dies. It is the man that dies. And by that death, he no longer is in that former relationship of captivity to the law of God, and it no longer condemns him. The law still stands. It never dies, but a believer's relationship has been changed because now he is no longer married to the law, bound to it as something that condemns him. He is married to Christ. Now, being married to Christ does not mean he can sin as he wants, but it means that now he has a whole new relationship to God's law because of his new relationship to Christ. He has undergone spiritual death and spiritual resurrection. The Bible nowhere teaches, nowhere does it even intimate that we are dead to the law as a rule of life. That is the way these verses are misconstrued by so many people who read into the Bible their desire to break free from what they view as the chains of God's law. God's law is of no help in getting you justified before God, except that it drives you to Jesus. But once you are driven to Jesus, the great desire of your heart, having been drawn close to him, is to be made like him. And he has spelled that out in black and white in his law, what he is like. So if you want to be like Jesus, obey his law. Because that is the image of Christ spelled out clearly in his word. And that is why Jesus said, if you are my friends, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 14. So the law of God is still there as a rule for our lives. But we are dead to the law as something that condemns us. It condemns us no more. So let's be absolutely clear about the basis of this new relationship. Why is it that God's law no longer condemns us? Why is it we are in an entirely new relationship with God? It is because of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I I remain under the effects of that relationship every day. Now just let this sink in. This is why God looks upon you with favor. That is why the law of God no longer condemns you. That is why you have a whole new life, a whole new relationship with God. It is because you as a believer have been crucified with Christ and you remain under the effects of that crucifixion every day of your life. It is not something that you have to do. It's not I have to be crucified with Christ. Lord, help me to crucify myself with Christ. No, it's already done. Self-crucifixion is an absurdity. It's already done. As true believers 2,000 years ago, we were crucified with Christ and we remain under the power and the effects of that crucifixion. Now, what is Paul saying here? 
He is saying that being now united to Christ in his sacrificial death for sin, our sacrificial past has been blotted out with God. And because of Christ and being in Christ, we are accepted with God. Christ's obedience in his life and death in our place has been credited to our account. And because he was not only our substitute, but our proxy, we were in him legally before the court of heaven when he died on the cross. And the judge of heaven and earth accepted our death in him when he died in our place and removed the condemnation that our sins deserve. So we died in him when he died to all the claims of God's law against us. Wherever Jesus is, there we are also. Whatever is true of him is true of us. We receive the consequences of his actions. We were one with him in his death on the cross. We have been crucified with him, and there is no longer condemnation for us ever again before Almighty God, and we are to live the rest of our lives crucified. And having been crucified with Christ, we can never be crucified again. Never again will we feel the anger of God's retribution and God's vengeance for our sins. Oh, we deserve condemnation. We deserve to suffer for an eternity, His vengeance. But we will never, 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 never will we feel one stroke of God's vengeance upon our backs because we have been crucified With Christ, we were in him when he died on the cross. And every stroke of God's anger, he took in our place. And there are no more strokes for us to bear. Never, ever again will we be under God's condemnation. It is absolutely impossible for us who are in Christ to go to hell. You never have to worry about it. You never have to wonder whether you will die in your sleep and go to hell. We have been crucified with Christ and our old account was settled. Remember, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. But you say, surely, Gary, I have to do something. Surely there's something left for me to do. There is nothing you can do to merit salvation with a holy God. Praise God, there's nothing else to do to be justified with God. You ask, does that mean I can sin as I please? Oh, beloved, you weren't listening. I already answered that. But Paul goes on, and he says, having been brought into this closest of all possible relationships with Christ, verse 20, Christ now lives in me. Notice how he says it. I have been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. He who loved me and delivered himself up for me lives in me. Christ is for me. I was with him in his life and death, and now he is in me. In Romans 8, we read of the dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that when he comes into your heart, he brings the presence of Christ into your heart. Please remember those words. The union we have with Christ puts us in a position to receive whatever his life and work deserve. And our union with Christ brings us into the most intimate relationship with God that human beings can ever experience. And once we are united with Christ, our old life 
once energized by sin and Satan, is finished. It is over. It is absurd to think that we would ever go back to it again because our new life in Christ is energized by His presence. And greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. Living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, the living God gives us new desires for God, new hungers and thirsts for Him, a new hunger for holiness of life, new powers to live out the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives, kindness, goodness, patience, long-suffering. It's not that we as Christians can't sin anymore. We certainly can and do. But we don't want to. And we grieve over it when we do because Christ lives in us. Now Paul's not saying that because Christ lives in you that he has been absorbed in Christ's personality so that he is no longer a separate individual accountable for all of his actions. He makes it clear. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith Uh, In the faith of God. So he's not saying that simply because my old life is death and Christ lives in me that I'm, you know, sort of like a glove and Christ is the hand. And I just put myself over Christ and yield back into his hands and he just controls everything about me thereafter. And then I just float off to heaven in a flowery bed of ease. You see, there are a lot of problems with that view, which a lot of Christians hold. Number one, it certainly isn't taught in the Bible. Number two, if Jesus lives in us and controls all of our actions and he does everything through us like we're the glove and he's the hand, then if we sin after we become Christians, guess whose fault it becomes? It would be the person who controls us, and that would be Jesus. And Paul already said Christ is not a minister of sin. So Paul is not saying that once you become a Christian, you just yield back into the hands of the Holy Spirit and Christ controls you thereafter. That is a passivity the Bible knows nothing about. The Christian life is the exertion of effort and of thought in dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit within you to be as faithful as you work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Remember that? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So here here Paul is not trying to get out of responsibility or any accountability before God. But he is saying that this new life I have been given is energized by Christ himself. And he does in me what sin once did. He energizes me. He motivates me. He encourages me. Now Christ does all these things in me. In fact, he says, this I, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This I he is talking about in whom Christ lives is a new I. It is a new person. He's someone who is different than he was before his conversion. The old eye is dead. The old eye, the old self, was depraved. He was condemned. He was good for nothing. He deserved to die and go to hell. And he got what he deserved. 
Because everything you were in Adam that deserved God's condemnation, you got when you were crucified with Christ. The old self now in Christ is gone, and you are a new person. A new person who has died to everything you were, and you have been raised to newness of life. Your new life is filled with the presence and the power of Christ himself. And now whatever he deserves, you receive. Whatever happened to him happens to you. And whatever he possesses, you inherit. He is the source and the sustenance of your very life. So the Christian life is a life lived daily by faith in Christ. Remember, the Christian life is not simply a life concerned with obedience, though it is concerned with it. It's not simply a life concerned with making sure you have the right worldview, though it is important. Living the Christian life at its heart is doing what you did when you first became a Christian, and that is continuing to believe in Jesus. That he will be to you what he promises to be in his word. And a life lived in faith in Christ is a life lived in Christ. Because in faith, there is not only trust and commitment to a living person, there is the movement of our entire hearts and souls in commitment to him. We not only trust, we entrust ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. We depend upon his strength, his grace, his presence to live for his pleasure. And when we live by faith in Christ, in his strength, we live our lives in the awareness and certainty of the redeeming love of God for us, in the constant assurance that he has loved us from all eternity, and that Christ, his son, died to save us. Do you see the personal nature of this testimony on Paul's part? I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. This isn't some abstract thing. This is a personal thing from Paul. I mean, when you read these words, there's no doubt about it. He doesn't say, I sure hope he lives in me. I, I hope he loves me. I hope he delivered himself off for me, but I, I don't know. No, he lives in me. He loves me. He gave himself up for me. And I'm certain of these things, says Paul. Are you certain? Are you? What makes you certain? Is it the sort of wishful thinking or convincing yourself of certain things? I'm determined that these things are true. Paul was certain. He loved me. And he doesn't love everyone, right? Joseph, I loved. Esau, I hated. He delivered himself up for me. He didn't deliver himself up for everyone. Why can Paul be so sure? That is what supernatural faith does in a person. When God gives you the gift of faith and you put your faith in Christ and you are married to him in the closest of relationships and your life is transformed and the Holy Spirit of God works within you, he bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God and your life is never the same again. Now, does your faith have this person 
personal quality to it. Christ died for me. Christ loves me. Does it have Paul's certainty to it? You don't have to live your life wandering or in doubt, beloved. You can speak with this certainty, this assurance. Jesus is mine. I'm his. Once God loves us, we will always remain in his grace and his favor. Because once you, by grace through faith, have been married to Christ, listen, divorce is out of the question. That relationship will never be broken. It cannot be broken. It cannot be reversed. You were in Christ before creation began in eternity in the heart and mind of God. You were in Christ when He died on the cross and rose again. You were recreated in Christ when God made you a believer. You live every day of your life in Christ. You will die in Christ. And someday your dead body will be raised in Christ, incorruptible in the presence of God. Once Jesus holds you in His arms, you can never break free from His embrace. And why would anyone want to believe anything different? So I ask you today, where are you in relationship to Jesus? Your standing with God now and forever depends upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, where are you with reference to Him? Are you trusting in Him alone for salvation? Are you surrendering your life to Him every day to become more and more conformed to His image? Is His name the one thing that summarizes everything that is important to you? Is He the source and sustenance and joy and motivation of your life, the goal of your life? Can you say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Let me give you one more word and I'll be finished. Please listen. Because there will be some people who believe this sermon and sermons like this around the world. And when they die they will be shocked when they go to hell. As you see, believing in the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone does not save you from hell. Now, if you believe in the doctrine of salvation by works, you will go to hell. You can be assured of that. But simply believing that salvation is not by works, but believing in the doctrine of justification by Christ alone is not all you need to be saved. Of course, you must believe it, but there will be people in hell who believe in justification by faith in Christ alone. Beloved, Satan believes this. He's no liberal. He's no legalist. He made up legalism to entrap us. You say, well, I know I'm saved because I believe in everything you said. You can believe everything I said today insofar as it is true and still go to hell. Do you remember the question you were asked when you joined RHC? I asked you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of sinners? But there wasn't a period there. Because all that part of the question says is, do you believe what the Bible says about Jesus is true? Do you believe that justification by faith in Jesus Christ is true? You see, the question was, 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of sinners, comma, and do you rest upon Him alone for salvation? Not do you rest upon a doctrine that is correct, but do you rest upon Christ alone? Beloved, that's what saves. Now, of course, you've got to have the right doctrines, but you can have the right doctrines and still be lost. So I asked you, beloved, young and old, are you resting upon Christ alone? Because if you rest in anything else, you will perish. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.